Well, hello and welcome back to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Jen Denton, and along with Pastor Jeff Cranston, we are exploring systematic theology in a way that is applicable to the lives we live. Welcome to this bonus podcast, where Pastor Jeff Cranston is going to suggest for you a few basic tools that you might want to use on a regular basis as a good student of the Bible. Have you ever wondered what types of tools are out there that could help you in your personal Bible study? Well, Pastor Jeff's going to give you some great ideas, and he's also going to talk about kangaroos. Ugh. <laughs> Let's join Pastor Jeff today for this bonus podcast on Bible study tools. Hi again, Kitchen Table Theologians, Pastor Jeff Cranston here and offering you this bonus podcast, and I thought it might be helpful for you. Hopefully it will be. If we spent a couple of minutes together talking about some Bible study tools that I think could be very, very helpful for you. This bonus podcast isn't about studying the Bible in a systematic way. It's not intended to address uh, any deep theological questions. Uh, you know, we do that on our Q&A podcast, but just look into the question of what could I use to help me in my own personal Bible study? You know, a a person whose life has really, truly been transformed by Christ has a hunger for the Word of God. And, you know, it's amazing. The Holy Spirit moves in that newborn life of a, of a believer to help them in their search, to help them in their understanding of the Scripture, to provide them nourishment for their soul. We even see that kind of thing in nature, you know— Consider one of the, might we say, weirdest or strangest, but truly amazing creatures on the planet, and that's the kangaroo. At full adulthood, some can reach a height of seven feet, and yet when they come into the world as a newborn, baby kangaroos are really some of the most diminutive, helpless tiny little creatures you can imagine. They're just a few inches in length at birth. They have no hair. They are blind as blind can be. So how are they to find their way into their mother's pouch where there is warmth and protection and nourishment and in which they're to be carried and fed really for the first few months of, of their life? Just after they're born, Baby kangaroos immediately begin to climb up their mother's fur, and they have these tiny little claws, and they kind of dig in, and they cling on until they reach the pouch, and they drop into the pouch, and they find everything they need. So you have to wonder, how can a blind little object that's really no longer than your thumb know where the mother's pouch is? How can they possibly know? There's milk and warmth and safety there. Why, why doesn't that baby kangaroo wander off in a different direction and a certain death? Well, it's because God created them that way. And if God does all that for a kangaroo, imagine how much more he longs to provide for the soul of any believer. It's always a source of amazement to me that whenever I hold the Bible in my hands to realize how during all of the ages past, 
that the scripture has been created, compiled, protected, and it remains today as packed full of value as it ever has been. You know, it's been about 2,000 years since Jesus walked the earth, and generations of people have thought, well, the Bible is going to pass away. Its value has been undermined. It's been attacked and vilified, and uh, people have tried to disprove it. I, I love the, uh, the story about the French philosopher Voltaire. He was a very vocal enemy of the Christian faith and of the Bible, and he once remarked this, and quote, Christianity is the most ridiculous, the most absurd, and bloody religion that has ever infected the world. My one regret in dying is that I cannot aid you in this noble enterprise of extirpating the world of this infamous superstition. Anyway, so that gives you an idea on kind of where he stood. Um, in his voluminous writings, against Christianity in the Bible. He predicted, Voltaire did, uh, in 1776, he said this, 100 years from my day, there will not be a Bible on earth except one that is looked upon by an antiquarian curiosity seeker. Here's an interesting little fact. 58 years after Voltaire's death, in an ironic twist of providence, God's providence, the very house in which he once lived in and wrote was used by the Evangelical Society of Geneva as a storehouse for Bibles and gospel tracts, and that the French printing presses he used to print his own published works on, those same printing presses were used to print Bibles. Today, there are more Bibles disseminated than ever before electronically and in print, ever before than in the history of the world. It never grows old-fashioned. It never grows out of date. The literature of the Bible can be read and appreciated today as much as thousands of years ago. There's no under book under the sun about which all of that is true. And I, I think Getting to the topic of today's bonus podcast, I think there are three good and very valuable tools for a new Christian to possess. I shared this in an addendum in one of my books called Your Greatest Adventure, and so I'll share it with you here. They're just tools to help you study. There's three of them. The first one is this, a Bible and a trustworthy and understandable translation. That's number one. Number two is a good concordance, and number three is a good commentary. Let's talk about the Bible, trustworthy and understandable translation. I would advise you, even if you have to go without a new pair of shoes or food, to buy a well-bound, leather-covered edition of the Bible. It will be your lifelong companion. Find one that you like the appearance, you like the feel of it, purchase the best copy that you can afford. Now, as a pastor, I own many copies of the scriptures, many different translations and paraphrases, uh, varying value. But I have one Bible that is my constant companion. I have used it regularly since May of 1979, and I plan to have it until I die, at which point I will pass it along to my family. 
But I have known where that Bible is every day of my life since 1979. I will also say that if I could have only one translation of the Bible or one Bible to purchase, I think I would probably buy the Zondervan New American Standard translation study Bible. I, I, I did a bonus podcast all about this translation. If you want to hear me expound on what I think to be the benefits and value of the New American Standard translation, it's episode number 29. But the, the study Bible uh, published by Zondervan, it possesses really an excellent system of marginal reference notes that help you understand the text that you're reading. There's some wonderful explanations and commentary of the majority of the Bible verses. It's, it's just a great thing. There's another study Bible, which I think is fantastic. It's called the Keyword Study Bible, the Keyword Study Bible. It's published by AMG Publishers. And I, I, I have my copy, again, in the New American Standard. You can get that in different translations. But it underlines the, ma- the key and major words of most verses and then hooks you up in the back, both Old and New Testament, with the definitions, the meanings of those key words. I just find it to be absolutely invaluable to illumine uh, the verses that I'm reading or I'm studying. So the Zondervan New American Standard Translation Study Bible and the Keyword Study Bible, that's available in different translations. But as I said, I prefer the New American Standard. Second great Bible study tool is you need a good concordance. So let, let's get the first question about a concordance out of the way. And that question is this, what's a concordance? <laughs> great question. A concordance can be a tremendous tool to help you study the Bible. It contains an an alphabetical index of words used in Scripture and the references in the Bible where the word occurs. Have you ever recalled, or half recalled, I should say, have you ever half recalled a Bible verse, but you couldn't remember it in its entirety, or you couldn't remember where it's located? And well, if you can recall a main word, then a concordance is your answer. Uh, for example, you may have heard it said that the love of money is, or, or money is, it, money is the root of all evil, right? But something doesn't sit right with you about that. So you can look up the word money, and a concordance will tell you all the places that word is found in the Bible, usually with a portion of the verse. And you scan down and you find the passage you're searching for. Then you look up the verse and your hunch is correct. Well, the Bible never says that money is the root of all evil. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. And right there, you become a better informed student of the Bible. Now, most good Bibles will contain a concordance in the back of the Bible. Uh, Again, that NASB study Bible that I mentioned, that has a very good concordance in the back. One thing you need to understand and be aware of about concordances, they tend to be translation specific. So a concordance geared to, let's just say the King James Version, may not be too helpful with a New American Standard or NIV or English Standard Version. Now, here's the good news. Every great concordance is found online, and they're pretty much available for free. Now, you can also buy concordances as their own book. But again, if you buy a good high-quality Bible, especially a study Bible, 
you're going to get a pretty good concordance in the back of that. Lastly is a good commentary. Now, a Bible commentary explains the biblical text, and it is explained by someone who's usually a scholar who has immersed himself or herself in the original language, in the context, in the form of biblical texts. The Bible commentator gives us details that we simply don't have in the simple reading of Scripture. So commentaries might fill you in on things like archaeological discoveries, historical details, linguistic particularities, details about geography and the culture of the day that you're reading about. There's a big difference in commentaries. There are one-volume commentaries on the whole Bible, which tend to be very thick, but they naturally are limited. And there are whole commentaries devoted to single books of the Bible. Commentaries are much more reflective of the author's personality and theology. And so, you know, there are different types of commentaries as well, depending on what you're looking for as you study God's Word. Let me tell you about three different types of commentaries very quickly, and then I'll I'll end. There are commentaries which are called critical, technical, or exegetical commentaries. They're the most detailed ones. They exhaustively go through the details. They comment on the Hebrew, the Aramaic, the Greek words of the text. They are perhaps most helpful to people who are students of the biblical languages. Um, An example of that kind of a critical, technical, exegetical commentary is Meyer's commentary, M-E-Y-E-R, Meyer's commentary. That's a 21-volume set written in the 19th century by a German theologian and and pastor uh, whose last name is Meyer, Heinrich August Wilhelm Meyer. Now, if you've got six feet of shelf space, that might be the place for you. There's another type of commentary. It's called an expository commentary. And those tend to be written and most helpful for people who regularly teach or preach from Scripture, though they're really helpful for any serious student of the Bible. They go passage by passage, and sometimes sentence by sentence, and they explain, again, the background, the meaning, etc. The real value in these commentaries, these expository commentaries, is that they often go one step further by describing how the meaning of the text may be applied in real life. Uh, A helpful example here would be what's called the Bible Exposition Commentary. That's six volumes written by Warren Wearsby. And finally, there are devotional commentaries. Now, devotional commentaries spend little time on the details of Bible passages, and instead, they go straight to spiritual meaning and application to your life. My favorite one of these, this is a classic devotional commentary, was written by Matthew Henry. He was a Scottish pastor and theologian. Now, if you're reading Matthew Henry, you will probably find his language outdated at times, but I would just suggest give him time and he'll grow on you. For Matthew Henry had an amazing ability to extract every helpful ounce of Bible out of the text and help you apply it to your life. And I find myself turning to his commentary 
quite often in my personal Bible study and, and in my preaching as well. Well, there you go. There's three things I think could really be helpful for you in your own personal Bible study. Get yourself a Bible if you don't already have one in a trustworthy and understandable translation. Get one that you like the look of, the feel of, make sure the font size is right. You can get it in all kinds of sizes, font sizes, up to large print. They even make giant print. Uh, But find one like that. Find a good concordance. Find a good commentary. I hope this has been helpful for you. God bless you as you continue on in your study of God's Word. And thanks for hanging out here with me for a few minutes today on this bonus podcast. We'll look forward to joining again with you soon here right at Kitchen Table Theology. God bless you. Well, thanks for listening. We hope that you've enjoyed today's podcast. Until next time, let's remember that the real power of theology is not just knowing it, but applying it. I'm Jen Denton, and on behalf of Pastor Jeff Cranston, we hope that our time together today has helped you become a better kitchen table theologian. See you next time.